For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. This is Your Next Step. I'm Pastor Doug McCoy from The Church Next Door with our lead pastor, Pastor Doyle Jackson. Pastor Doyle, I grew up in church, and I know you did as well. I did. Mm -hmm. We have good memories of growing up in church. I do have good memories. I I wonder, uh, in today's world, if if, if people understand how important that is, because... You know, a lot of people, they have moved around quite frequently. The statistics are really high in terms of people changing churches quite often. And uh, what was interesting to me as I talked to Albert Muller, he he was really, it was his, it was his local church that really helped launch his, his desire to serve God and do in ministry. And, and I wonder if our changing uh, churches frequently and different parachurch organizations how that's going to have a long-term impact on the body of Christ. Yeah, that's a good question. I am very happy to have what I call a home church, yeah. which was the church that we went to all through my yeah. middle school and yeah. uh, teenage years, still connected. I just got a text from my home church pastor last week saying, Doug, I love you. That's, uh, that's what happens when you have roots. And so yeah. we are going back to this conversation with Dr. Albert Moeller, and you've got more of this interaction with him. He's going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, he is. I look forward to it. Hey, stick with us and, and join us as we talk to Dr. Albert Muller, the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. You know, I was raised in the 1960s in particular. That's what my parents would have told us to do. Yeah. You honor the ones in authority. They, they, yeah. they are, they're trustworthy. You know, right. you know, whether it's Roosevelt or Eisenhower, they're going to defend justice. That's and, right. uh, you know, they may differ on politics, but they're going to keep the U.S. safe. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was. It was a different age. So the velocity or the speed of that society is, yeah. is moving. It took 300 years to eradicate the slave trade. Yeah. It took about 15 years to reverse same-sex marriage opposition. Yeah. I mean, the movement formally to legalize same-sex marriage was like a 15- to 20-year project. Stunningly successful. That's a—I mean, I just feel like what's gone on mm-hmm. in the last 15 years with smartphones. Yeah. You know, and— what I'm dealing with as a local pastor in terms of the challenges of communicating today, right. it's so much more complex than previous ages. And right. yeah. So what do you, what do you, let's, let's pivot to the church. Okay. What concerns you most about what's going on in the church? But also I want to, I want to have the second question, which what gives you hope? Because I don't want to leave there with yeah. just the dark side. Well, I'm, uh, you know, my academic training is in systematic and historical theology. The church historian in me wants to say the church is always facing a crisis. Um, mm-hmm. that, you know, that you, you might look at the interregnum of, say, you know, period from 500 to 1500 during the medieval period. It has challenges then, but the society wasn't changing much. Yeah. But whenever the society is changing, whether it's the fall of Rome mm-hmm. uh, or it is the, you know, the rise of the modern age and the industrial revolution and, and all the rest, um, Whenever history is changing, the church faces real challenges because, you know, in, in our conception, mm-hmm. 
the, one of the most dangerous ideas is that whatever is new is better than what came before it. This mm-hmm. inevitability of progress. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just want to say in, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the church facing difficulties, yep, that's pretty much what the church is called to do until Jesus comes. I am most concerned about the fact that uh, I think most Christians assume we are in a situation of some kind of stability when I don't believe we are at all. And I don't believe they actually believe that if they think about it. Yeah. But, you know, you can, you can kind of, uh, to use uh, Charles Taylor's uh, term, you can kind of buffer yourself in this world. If you have enough mm-hmm. money, then and you can kind of buffer yourself from all of this. But you know what? Your kids are not buffered. They arrive at a college campus, they are not buffered. Yeah, they are buffeted. That's right. Uh, you know, and and so you know, I I talk to people and they say, you know, I really don't see much of this. Well, they just spent you know five days in a row playing a full round of golf. Yeah. No wonder they don't feel anything. They have they've bought themselves into a position where they don't have to worry about these things. Well, if they care about their grandkids, they better be very concerned about that's these right. things. That's right. That's yeah. right. So I think I think that the the greatest concern I have right now, and of course it's all the giant theological issues. Uh, Maintaining the faith once we're all delivered to the saints, uh, that's the perpetual challenge to the church. But I'm most concerned about, I think, what is a misreading about our current moment. Okay, and the other question is, what -hmm. gives you hope right now when you look at the church? You know, the Lord Jesus Christ seems to have a pattern of bringing glory to Himself by saving his church from disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and w- whether it's the disaster of false doctrine or something else. And so I firmly believe that the Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified in his church in whatever opposition we may face, whatever loss of privilege the church may suffer, whatever marginalization may come. And so if you really are a Christian, you believe in the sovereignty of God, you have no category of win-loss in which there could be a loss. You just You just know everything ultimately will be to the greater glory of God. What we're called to be is faithful. No small thing, but uh, thankfully, uh, we, we don't actually keep the score. Yeah. When I was thinking about when, when you were talking about just the, the fragility of the church mm-hmm. or the fragility of life today, right? I think about the fragility of the church because mm-hmm. I, I've, I've been a pastor now for over 30 years, and and I think for the most part, people think the church is strong. And I look at it every week and I'm like, God, this is a miracle. We made it through another week. Yeah. Because we rely on volunteers. We, we rely right. on people to give their finances. You know, every time we gather as a group of people, uh, at least at my church, you know, it, it takes well over 100 volunteers to make that happen. And they're just choosing to show up and to work right. together. And I'm amazed by that. So that it gives me hope, mm-hmm. but it keeps me on my knees right. because I have to. I have to trust God for that. And I, I'm assuming for you, it's the same way as the president of a seminary. You know, there, there's there's a lot of things that keep you on your knees, and yet give you hope at the same time. Yeah, you know, uh, one aspect of that for me is I thought, you know, after 20 years on this job, it would kind of get easier. <laughs> well, now I've been here 30 years, it just gets harder. It does. Now, don't hear me to be complaining, no. because I wouldn't trade this for anything. No. But, man, it's like culture and events and everything else are conspiring to make everything more difficult. It is. Um, but evidently, you know, uh, we're to be faithful in this, and we we are able to be faithful by the power of Christ, because 
He hasn't left us. Yeah. He's he hasn't left us here. He's put us here. Yeah. And so, yeah, I and I, I know what you mean about the fragility of the church. And I think that's a good thing for us to keep in mind, because it's Christ who said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against that's it. That's right. But that does mean, number one, the gates of hell are trying to prevail against it. They are. <laughs> it also means that, but for Christ, the gates of hell would prevail. So all praise to Christ. He will protect his church. But Christ is the only explanation for why the church does not disappear and go extinct in any given generation. That's right. We believe mm-hmm. in the power of Christ Jesus. Right. It, it's, it's not a myth. Right. as some people would have us uh, believe. Uh, it's not just a glib assertion. It's not no, a bumper sticker. No. Jesus uh, Christ is Lord, and thus we're saved, and by the way, that's all we've got. We have faith yeah. in something that is real. Mm-hmm. It's, not, uh, right. it's not an imagination. People think that our faith is, is not real, but it, it's real every day. Yeah. It's powerful. So, so tell me this, um, mm-hmm. how do you... How do you cultivate uh, your relationship with God after 30 years in this position, as difficult as it yeah. is? Well, in one sense, gratitude means that it's sweeter and deeper and more natural, you know, because mm-hmm. you don't, I don't have to think about it strategically the way I did when I was 16 or 17 and first learning these things, mm-hmm. you know, so that, that, that's good. The other thing is, is that um, I, I've learned several things in my life about how my devotional life has to be grounded and, and expressed. Yeah. You know, just concretely, I was told when I was a teenager that if you really wanted to obey Christ and honor God, you had a very, very early morning time of prayer and Bible reading. Well, I'm a night person. No. I failed in morning. Yeah. Even when I was there, I wasn't there. Yeah, and so I just kind of learning. The older I get, the more I learn. Okay, it. Uh, I I I I want to be at my best when I'm reading scripture. I want to be at my best when I'm praying. I want to be mm-hmm. at my best. And I mean, you know, what I mean there. I want to be as as there as I can possibly That's right. be. Fully present. Right. I've also been through crises, mm-hmm. um, health crises. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have. Uh, I've been through the experience of being not only a husband but a father and now a grandfather. And all of that just plays into it. And so there's a lot more me in one sense. I hope that doesn't sound egotistical. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I mean is there's more gratitude on my heart when I now approach the throne of grace Mm -hmm. than it was when I was 18 or 17. There's a lot of expectation when you're 17. There's a lot of gratitude at this stage of life. That's good. Yeah. I just took a young man. Uh, we took a team yeah. to Africa, and um, there's this young man that wanted uh-huh. to go. He's 18 years old. And oh, yeah. He's homeschooled, and he was all in to go. Yeah. And I just loved his enthusiasm. Yeah. And I love his questions, and he is the perfect picture of what you're talking yeah. about. He is so excited. And so I just try to keep throwing gasoline on him so he'll right. keep burning, you know? Right. And 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 that that sounds like the Apostle Paul, right? Yeah, and, you know Timothy, Fan to flame. very very young. Yes, and and, and and Timothy and Titus, you know he. Yeah, that's to whom he gave the advice to flame the to fan the flame. Yeah, you know, just the, the, you you look at these young men that that Paul had around him, and I'm I'm sure that made Paul more mm-hmm. faithful. Yeah, you know. But the other thing is, yeah, there's there's such great hope in this. That's a great joy of being a seminary and a college president. I know. I get to see these young guys at, at uh-huh. the college, young men and young women in particular, 
but especially those called to preach. I mean, I think they're a lot more faithful yeah. and a lot more mature than my generation was showing up at seminary. They, they, they've been more battle-hardened already. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, you, mm. you probably mean more to each and every one of them than you know, because mm. I remember Dr. Cooley, and mm. um, he, he invited a group of us to his home one night, mm-hmm. and I remember sitting on his floor, because there were that many of us just sitting yeah, on the yeah. floor of his house, and I felt so much love and appreciation from him. Um, I just, he was such an encouragement to me. We have more resources for you at DoyleJackson.com. We will be right back with more Your Next Step. Pastor Doyle, we have a great free resource we want to share with our friends. It is a copy of your great message, Great Hope, The Cross. This is going to be a PDF digital download. If they go to DoyleJackson.com, give us their email, it'll be sent to them. What is the value of having that message on uh, PDF as well as hearing it through the radio? Well, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, number one, we learn things best when we get to see them, when we get to hear them, and somehow when we get to be kinetically involved with them, we get our hands involved. And and that's what we want our our friends to do, because you're partnering with us, you're listening, and, and we want to give this to you. And then I'm praying that you'll pray this prayer out loud. That's part of this lesson. Uh, we go through in this lesson, the, the eight things that Christ provided on the cross. He provided forgiveness. He provided healing. He provided righteousness. I'm not going to give you all eight right now. Right. You got to go right. and get it because if you begin to pray that aloud over your life, it'll transform the way you think about Jesus and the way you think about yourself, because it transforms us to confess that aloud. We're beginning to engage with what God is is doing when we start to, yep. to it's just like when you hear somebody quote a scripture and yep. you're like, well, I want to look it up. You're engaging even more. This is a chance to engage even more with the cross. So go to DoyleJackson.com, put in your email, you'll get this PDF. We believe it's going to bless your life. And now back to our conversation with Dr. Albert Mahler, the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. What would you say? Let's say there's a young man or young woman that's listening today, and they Uh feel like, okay, God is calling me. I'm going to be a part of church ministry in some way, shape, or form in the future. What would your advice to be if they're a teenager right now? What would you tell them to do? Yeah, well, number one, uh, I would say it is a good thing. Uh, to want to be fully deployed in Christ's service. Mm-hmm. If you're a believer, that's just an astoundingly good thing, period. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have to think a lot about this because this is where I live every day mm-hmm. and have for decades now. I would simply say, first of all, the Christian ministry is biblically qualified. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not just a volunteer thing. It's not just no. a vocation. It is a calling in the, tr- in the truest sense of the world, truest sense of vocation, voca, calling. And uh, so I believe, for instance, that the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture. Yes. So that's one thing. Yeah. And in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus 2, you have very clear directions given for the pastoral office. Yes. So if you're disqualified by that, then, you know, God has called you to do something great in the kingdom, but it's not to serve in, the, say, the teaching ministry. Okay. Uh, but then I, I want to say that that call, and here I, I think of someone like Charles Spurgeon, who I think just had so much good spiritual wisdom in this. And he said, if God's called you, he's going to tell somebody else as well. And in almost every case, like when, when I believed I was called 
to preach the gospel. I talked to my father, and he said, well, I, I've kind of thought the same thing. But he didn't tell me. He just affirmed that when I told him of what I was perceiving. Went to see my pastor at the time, and he said, I've been waiting for this conversation, and it was inevitable. That's mm-hmm. very affirming. Yes. But it, 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 I think, is a part of what Spurgeon said, you know, the wisdom of, the, of, of God's people as to whom God calls. That's right. And so that's the reason why no one gains admission to Southern Seminary without a local church sending right. along an affirmation that's of right. call. That's right. And we understand that, that it's being tested at all times, but that, that's, it's really important that a congregation said, we really believe that this young man uh, has been called to gospel I've ministry. always put it this way to young people. I said, you know, you need, you need someone calling you, but you also need someone sending you. Right. And so are, do you have godly mentors in your life? Do you have a, a godly mm-hmm. family yeah. that they're recognizing your call? And then, yeah, do you have a, a godly local church that's given you the opportunity to, to work in the ministry, in the harvest yeah. field there? And are they, are they blessing you? I mean, because that's, yeah. that's how Timothy worked his way up, right? right? He was somehow involved. He had learned from his uh, grandmother and his mother, Lois and Eunice, you know? And, oh, and yeah. so we have this going on. Yeah. And so I, I just... Can I tell you where I'm headed uh-huh. tomorrow? Where are you headed? I'm actually headed tonight. <laughs> um, you know, we're having this conversation. Mm-hmm. We're at a convention. Mm-hmm. I'm giving the closing message, and then my wife's coming in, and uh, we're driving down to South Florida. Okay. Because tomorrow I'm preaching the funeral mm. of the man who was ministry music at my home church when I was a child and a teenager. Oh, I'm sorry, and yet I'm glad. Well, He's you're also shocked. Now. I just told yeah. you when I was a child and a teenager, you're looking at me and going, he had to be ancient. No. And the answer, I'm kidding you, but the answer is, yes, he was. He was in his 90s. Mm-hmm. But no minister had such a determinative impact on my life as he did. Yeah. He was a minister of music, but he pastored kids. That's right. And teenagers and taught us Scripture as well as music, had a massive influence uh, on my life. And I get to go preach his funeral tomorrow. Yeah. And there, uh, I, I know, will be kind of a reunion, mm-hmm. including the man who was youth minister when I was a youth, wow. who's going to be there with his wife. And um, you know, maybe the final time on earth is kind of an assembly of this, this group together. We'll be together again, but probably not in this life. That's right. And it's just really sweet. I want to. I just want to encourage ministers, pastors, and and Christian parents. By the way, Christian parents have your kids under this kind of influence, so that what you just talked about, uh, Doyle, in terms of someone sending out. I felt like at every point in my young life, I had Christians who were behind me all the way. That's right. That's right. When I tell my story, mm-hmm. I, I was reluctant to tell my parents, and I, I told, you know, this this mentor, uh, family friend of ours, and and she laughed and she said, "Baby, we've known for years that God had a call on your life. We're waiting yeah. for you to figure that out." Right. You know, and, and she was just this elder, godly woman in my life that had prayed for me, you right, know? Right, I, I remember, um, so my one of my neighbors uh-huh. was Dr. John R. Rice. Uh, I grew That up at, came out of the blue. I wasn't expecting that. Yes. So I grew up in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Yes. And Mrs. John R. Rice would come to my father, who was a veterinarian, with her dog, yeah. okay? Yeah. And, but when she found out I was going to seminary... Yeah, she would say, "Say now, Doctor Jackson, I want Doyle to come to my house because I want to make sure he's not losing his faith." Yeah, and she, I would go to her house, and, and bless her heart, I'm sure she meant it very sincerely. 
Oh, she loved me. Yeah, yeah, she prayed yeah, for me. Every yeah. time I went to her house, yeah. she gave me another one of Dr. Dr. Rice's books. Mm-hmm. Was he still living? Uh, no, he had passed okay, away. Right, yeah. And and she lived alone in this little little ranch house. And so I would go to visit Mrs. Rice and I would yeah. sit on the floor because she was older. Right. And she would say, Now, here's Dr. Rice's study Bible. I want you to have this. And here's his and book on prayer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and she would quiz me to make yeah. sure that they were not uh, weakening my faith in the Word of God and well, Christ bless her Jesus. Heart. Yeah. Okay. And, and that was the great. Uh, that was that was actually the great contribution of that movement of conservative Christians that became known as fundamentalism. Yeah. They weren't wrong about the danger of liberalism. They were right. They were. Uh, but uh, they also included some colorful figures. They did, but mm-hmm. but. I didn't fit in their brand, and yet right. she loved me. She prayed for me. She was a Christian lady, and 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 I remember yeah. she would lay yeah. her hands on me, and she would pray that I would be like Apostle Paul, and that I would really preach sweet. the word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's not the woman I was thinking of out there. I just I've had this. I've I've been privileged to have a group yeah. of people, right. the body of Christ, that loved me. Yeah, and and said, "Keep going, even though it's going to be hard." My wife, my sweet wife Mary. Um, we went to the same church in high school, mm-hmm. and she observed a lot of things. And then, of course, we've been married for 40 years this year. But when we were young, she used to refer to, quote, my little old ladies. Mm-hmm. Because when we would go to my home church, there are these little old ladies who would come up to me, and they were just unmixed encouragement. That's right. They've been praying for me. They talk about how they That's were praying right. for me. That's they right. saw great hope in me, mm-hmm. and uh, and it, it, it was it was just a sweet thing. And uh, I'm afraid we don't have that culture in a lot of churches today. I think there are a lot of young people, and maybe it's because I was at the church so many hours uh, of the week, just yeah. because of my well parents' we, decision. I don't uh, want to say they're old, these but I yeah. do have a lot of people praying at our church. Yeah. And well, I, that, I hope you know I meant that statement with affection. I do know. And I do know was, you mean that. It, 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 but but they all were also really really old. My mom and dad are yeah. eighty seven and eighty six. So they they, yeah. they they qualify. Yeah. They go to church uh, Monday through Thursday. Right. In the morning, they have about uh, sixty people they gather yes. with to pray. Yes. For an hour, then they have another group that come back. That's about forty people that pray for an hour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then they have a different group on Friday and a different group on yeah. Saturday. Different. That's what keeps my parents going. Yeah, is the different prayer groups they live. Well, they that's really sweet. And you know what? The people for whom they're praying, um, they may never know how much they've been loved by people that that are praying for them. And just, yeah. you know, I I can still remember. Um, I, I think a lot of churches, especially the one I grew up in, just as an example, but I think it's just, it's just an indication, but for, for me a very sweet indication, that some of the people who were most encouraging were those who had suffered loss. That's right. And, uh, you know, there's a sense in which I was kind of an adopted son, an adopted grandson. And there's a very sweet thing in the church that goes that way. Uh, because I have no idea how many of God's blessings have come to me because of their prayers. Well, we are called to be a church mm-hmm. that cares for widows and orphans. Yes. And that will protect the church. It, it says it protects us from the world. Yes. Uh, and, and 
I tell my church, we need the widows yes, because they remind us of uh, the pains of this world, but then they also have a value to add to us because right. it's, it's a powerful thing. And then, of course, the orphans, that's, that's part of it, too. And that's what, they, what you're saying is yeah. uh, they did that for you. Well, I would like to ask you to do one more thing for us today. Uh-oh. Would you pray for us before, a- a- as we close a- absolutely. today? Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we just come before you. I come with my brother here just to, to say, with Doyle, and with, with all believers, all the saints throughout all the ages, that our great confidence is named Christ, that it is only by the gospel of Christ that we've been saved. And so, Father, we want, first of all, to glorify you for what you have accomplished uh, in saving us from our sin. And, and Father, we just pray that you would make your church ever more faithful, not because yes. we want your church to be famous, but because we want the church to be faithful. We want your name to be famous. And so, Father, I thank you for the conversation we just had, one that reminds us of so many of the joys and blessings we've been given in your church in this life. Father, we pray that for successive generations that they would know the very same encouragement in the faith. And uh, Father, may at the end, by your grace and to your glory, may we be found faithful. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Dr. Great Hall, to have been for being with, you. with us. Oh, yeah. man, it, I enjoyed it. That was Dr. Albert Moeller from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and Pastor Doyle Jackson from the church next door having that great conversation. Pastor Doyle, great to listen to that with you. Great to be here with you. It is the weekend. It is. And uh, we are looking forward to gathering with our friends and spiritual family here at the church next door. Yeah, I hope you'll come over. I hope you'll be a part of what God is doing this weekend at the church next door. You know, uh, if anything, uh, just take a break. And worship the Lord with us. It, it will really encourage you, inspire you. You know, when we're preaching, we're able to look out and see. I can pick out individuals. I'd be like, hey, there's Hank. Haven't seen him yep. for four weeks. Glad he's back. Hope he's feeling better. We don't have that same uh, benefit here on radio. We don't get to see we the don't. people we're talking to. We don't. But they can connect with us. If they yep. would go to yournextstepnow.com, they can leave us their email. We know then that they're here with us. We, we can almost see them. <laughs> That's right. And we have a free resource we want to send them. Yeah, this month we're giving uh, a, a, it's a lesson on the cross that I taught recently, but we outline it for you, and we show why the cross is so powerful and how the cross can be applied to your life. And I hope you'll get this from me because I've learned to use it as a prayer, and it'll really encourage you. So go to our website today, uh, yournextstepnow.com, yournextstepnow.com, and... Uh, Fill out the form to receive the free uh, email and the download. And then come back because we have more episodes of Your Next Step for you. Your Next Step with Doyle Jackson is a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. Your prayers for us are always valued, but to help keep us on the air, visit doylejackson.com and click give. That's doylejackson.com. You can also send a check to The Church Next Door. Our address is 5755 Fetter Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Again, that's 5755 F-E-D-E-R Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Please put radio in the memo line. Lastly, if you need prayer or have questions, text us at 888-644-4034. That's 888-644-4034. 
I'm Pastor Doug, and Pastor Doyle and I would love to see you next time for your next step.